0: Hello, and welcome to Greater Faith. You're listening to Fighting on the Front Lines, a message from Pastor Izzelini. We hope that today's message blesses and encourages you as you go through your day. We go in the word of the Lord with me this morning to the book of Second Samuel, chapter 11. Second Samuel, chapter 11, and we will read verses... Fourteen through twenty-one. Verses fourteen through twenty-one. Gonna feel good in God's house today. Praise God. Look around you, folks. Just look around this sanctuary right now. Greater faith is having revival. Hallelujah. There is life in this place here today. Thank you, Jesus. I'm so thankful. 2 Samuel chapter 11, beginning with verse 14. If you have it, say amen. And it came to pass in the morning that David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it by the hand of Uriah. And he wrote in the letter saying, Set ye Uriah in the forefront. Everybody say the forefront. In the forefront of the hottest battle. And retire ye from him, that means leave him there. Put him at the front and leave him there, that ye may that he may be smitten and die. And it came to pass when Joab observed the city that he assigned Uriah unto a place where he knew that valiant men were. And the men of the city went out and fought with Joab, and there fell some of the people, the servants of David, that means some of the good guys were killed. And Uriah, the Hittite, died also. The intended target, who was one of the good guys, was also killed. Then Joab sent and told David all the things concerning the war, and charged the messenger, saying, When thou hast made an end of telling the matters of the war unto the king, if so be that the king's wrath arise, and he say unto thee, Wherefore, approached ye so nigh unto the city when ye did fight. If the king says, why did you get so close? I told you to send Uriah to the forefront. And some of King David's men were killed. But Uriah was also killed, which is what David wanted. But there was collateral damage. Other people were also killed. He said, if King David gets mad and said, why did you go to the front? Didn't you know that they were going to shoot from the wall? Who smote Abimelech, the son of Jerubasheth? He was drawing from things that had happened in the past. We should have learned our lesson. You don't get this close. Did not a woman cast a piece of millstone upon from the wall that he died in Thebes? Why went ye nigh the wall? If the king responds that way, then say thou, Thy servant Uriah the Hittite is dead also. My God. My God. I want to preach to you from this thought today, fighting on the front line. Fighting on the front line. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we love you, Lord. We're so thankful to be in your house. Thankful for every believer, every person of like precious faith that has come into this place today with a hunger with an expectation to receive, to have an encounter with You. Lord, I pray right now that there would be victory, Lord, that would come into this house today and people would leave here encouraged, uplifted, renewed, refilled, in Jesus' name, and let the church say, Amen. 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 You may be seated. Praise God. The D-Day operation of June 6th, 1944, brought together the land, air, and sea forces of the Allied armies in what became known as the largest amphibious invasion in military history. The operation, given the code name Overlord, delivered five naval assault divisions to the beaches of Normandy, France. A total of 4,414 Allied troops were killed on D-Day itself including 2,501 Americans. More than 5,000 were wounded. In the ensuing battle of Normandy 73,000 Allied forces were killed and 153,000 were wounded. The victories that came from storming the five beaches of Normandy made inroads to the enemy territory and were eventually instrumental in winning the war. The front line of this battle required the use of three forces, land, air, and water. Without any of these three forces, it is estimated that defeat would have been certain hallelujah so what is the front line the front line is the military line or part of an army that is closest to the enemy the front line is where you engage your adversary oh hallelujah this is where the battle for territory in your life ensues. If you have made a decision. That you are going to grow in God. That you are going to have kingdom victories. That you are going to take new territory in your life. Then I want to welcome you to the front line. Because you have stepped into a place of agreement with the laborers of Christ that we are going to engage the adversary for kingdom victory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When studying the beaches of Normandy and D-Day and all of these battles, it was obvious that the landscape or the territory where these battles ensued came into play in a big way on what happened. You need to understand likewise that the enemy will use the landscape of your life to his advantage when he can. He will try to use your past against you. But when you are baptized in Jesus' name, And you are filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost And you have repented of your sins You change the landscape And he can no longer use That landscape in your life against you any longer He will try to use your culture against you Now this is a tough one Right because we all have our own culture There's city culture, there's country culture, there's foreign culture, there's American culture. And a lot of people get stuck fighting in a territory of culture that they weren't meant to fight in. Because when you are born again, and you are a new creature in Christ, it does not matter What land of origin you were born in, what city you were raised in, what rural area you came from, you now have a new culture and it's called kingdom culture. I don't do things just because that's the way America does it I do it because that's the way the kingdom does it See, I don't believe in having a multicultural church I believe in having a church that has one culture It's called kingdom culture Yes, I want a multinational church I want people of every creed and color From every nation, from every corner of the earth To gather in this place and worship God But don't bring your culture with you Because when you are born again When you are a new creature in Christ You step into kingdom culture It is kingdom culture That unites the believer Hallelujah Hallelujah You will try to use your mindset Against you Hallelujah The way you used to think. The way you used to understand. But this book tells me that we walk by faith and not by sight. Let me tell you how this works Brandon When something new When a new truth Is introduced into your life The enemy will try to use The landscape of an old mindset To process that truth And it will be challenging And it will be uncomfortable And you won't be able to fit it Through that filter But let me tell you How you change the mindset Obedience precedes understanding In the kingdom of God When you say you know what I don't get it all I don't necessarily understand it all But I recognize That there is something powerful Happening right now So I'm going to take a step of faith And begin to obey What I hear And let's just see what this truth Produces That's called walking by faith And not by sight I don't got to see everything And understand Understand everything uh, to step into it. Uh, I just have to have faith and believe uh, that God will do what He says uh, He will do. Mm. Let the enemy trap you in an old mindset. You will try to use the landscape of your finance mm. against you. Ah. Oh, you, you can't do that you need to worry about those bills you need to be concerned about this you need to be concerned about that But I think we've learned in three months that living is giving. And when you serve God with an open hand, God steps into all of your tomorrows and says, I will provide for you according to my riches in glory. Honey, it doesn't matter if I got $100,000 in the bank or a dollar in the bank because I got all the riches and provision that I need sitting over in glory. See, I serve a God. God uh, that owns a cattle on a thousand hills. Uh, He is Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Uh, So when I look at my resources, uh, I'm not checking my bank account. Uh, I'm not checking my retirement account. Uh, I'm not looking at the savings account. Uh, I'm just making sure my daddy uh, is still on the throne. Uh, And as long as he's on the throne, uh, I know I will be provided for. And he will try to get you to fight in the landscape of fear oh, hallelujah well but when you learn to love the way that Jesus loves you understand, faith is not the antithesis of fear. Love is the antithesis of. He has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and of peace. And of a sound mind Honey When you love Jesus And you know that he loves you And you begin to cultivate the love of Jesus In your life You will begin to understand I have nothing 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 to fear I looked at my little boy The other day And I said son don't you ever forget I said we are not afraid of death I said death Is not a fear for us I said to die is truly gain in the kingdom of God. I said Hudson, I said if this world falls apart and they begin to persecute the church and they begin to shut us down and fight against the believers, I said you don't need to be afraid of anything that ever happens because to live is Christ, but to die is truly gain. I fear no man, I fear no government, I fear no opposition or agenda that comes against the kingdom of God. I refuse to engage the enemy on the beach front of fear. Ah, hallelujah. He tries to use these beach fronts, your past, your culture, your mindset, your finance and fear against you. But you ah, can change the location of the battle. Yeah. Ah, Hallelujah Let me show you The territories that the enemy Or that the Lord rather Has given you jurisdiction and authority in Ah, Your family Belongs to you God has given you authority and jurisdiction in your family. So you don't have to put up with the enemy messing with your marriage, messing with your kids, messing with your grandkids. Friend of Rokosha, you better hear me, moms and dads. When you begin to lift up your voice and pray for your family, all of heaven. Hands at attention Angel armies move into action To back up the prayers Of a praying mom and dad A praying grandma and grandpa Why? Because God Has given you your family The atmosphere in your home Belongs to you Don't you allow the enemy To come in And make your home a place of chaos. A place of bickering A place of fighting A place of aggravation No my friend Your home can be a sanctuary Because God has commissioned you To have authority And dominion In your home You get to decide What kind of atmosphere you come home to At the end of the day You get to decide What kind of atmosphere You wake up to Every single day day, you can get up with your shoulders slumped and your head hanging and say, I'm tired, I'm weary, or you can get up and begin to speak in tongues and say, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will, I will, I will rejoice and be glad in it. You can set the atmosphere of your home from the first moment that you wake up. You have jurisdiction over your voice. Uh, Don't let the enemy uh, cause you to say things. Uh, Don't prophesy for the enemy. (laughs) Life and death are in the power of the tongue. You just remember the seeds you sow with your mouth today, you're going to walk in them tomorrow. Mm. That's why in our house we don't say I'm tired. We don't say I'm sick. We don't say that stuff in our house. You ask my kids. You can check me out. We don't say that kind of stuff in our house. We, we don't say I'm worried about it. Woo. We don't. You better not say I can't. Why? Because God gave you jurisdiction over your mouth When he filled you with the gift of the Holy Ghost As the Spirit gives the utterance Let me tell you something You don't just say things in the Spirit When you're speaking in tongues But the Holy Ghost will quicken you To make declarations of faith in your life Every single day Why? Why are you speaking things that are not as though they were? Because they will be if you speak them now Hallelujah! The Lord has given you jurisdiction over your faithfulness. Woo. Look around this house today. Everybody decided to come to church on the same day. Woo. It's a good day for a pastor. You have authority over your faithfulness to the house of God. The enemy... Wants you to fight the battles of your life outside of this place because he knows every Time You show up here God is going to give you Another victory God is going to give you another word There will be another moment of equipping Of enriching Of uplifting Of strengthening and restoring See you've got to just Every single time somebody is saved I look at them and I tell them I said I don't care what kind of sin Is in your life How many times you mess up How many times you fall Make a decision right here and now that every single time the church doors are open I'm going to be there because if you decide to be faithful the enemy knows he will not win in the end he may win some battles along the way but your faithfulness to the house of God ensures victory in your life And you have authority in your praise and in your worship. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody say amen. What you exalt with your mouth and what you put first in your life is what you give jurisdiction to. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You must secure the front lines of your life because the adversary is seeking for whom he may devour let's go to 2nd Samuel chapter 11 and verse 1 2nd Samuel 11 and 1 and this is the story of David and Bathsheba if you don't know it King David it's one of the greatest kings of Israel God had given him multiple victories and it was this very king an anointed king, a king that God chose that sent Uriah to the front line to be murdered. And I'm going to show you why that happened right here. Second Samuel 11 and 1. And it came to pass after the year was expired, at the time, somebody say at the time, at the time when kings go forth to battle that David sent Joab. And his servants with him. In all Israel. And they destroyed the children of Ammon. And beseeched Rabbah. But David. Tarried still. At Jerusalem. If you. Choose comfort. When it's time to fight. On the front line. You are setting yourself up. For the biggest failure in your life. The only reason King David fell into adultery. Is because he was sitting on his porch. When he should have been fighting on the front line. Let me tell you I feel the authority of the Holy Ghost in this room right now. You know why? Because some of you came in here today worn out. And I got a revelation for you. You know why you're tired? You know why you're worn out? It's not because you're a bad person. It's not because you're too busy. It's because you're on the front line. It's because you've engaged in the biggest battle that you have ever fought in your life. Brother Jim, you're taking kingdom territory in your family right now. That's why you feel overwhelmed. That's why it's coming at you from every angle. Brother Russell, See, you're taking kingdom territory. You've been here every single Sunday. He told me, I've been here every Sunday since Father's Day. What's he doing? He's taking kingdom territory. He is engaged in a battle for his family. He is here fighting the good fight of faith. Come on, when the enemy tries to keep you out of the fight, say, I'm not going to go down like David. I'm going to step out of my comfort zone, and I'm going to fight on the front line. Hallelujah, hallelujah. David sent Uriah into the heat of the battle to try to cover up his mistake. He was an adulterer. He was not an anointed king in that moment. He was an adulterer and a sinner. David, during this dark chapter, was not walking in righteousness or being directed of the Lord. He was listening to his flesh and trying to cover up his mistakes. Sending Uriah to the front line was about self-preservation. It was not about kingdom victory. Your comfort zone has collateral damage on the people around you. When you decide, I'm not going to fight, I'm not going to make myself uncomfortable, I'm not going to engage the adversary, I'm not going to go after this victory, you are not just hurting yourself, but there will be others that fall because you decided, I'm going to stay at home when kings should be out to war. This is why it's so dangerous to dip in and out of sin in your life. You'll start taking orders from your flesh instead of the Holy Ghost and convince yourself you're just trying to, well, I'm just trying to make peace. I'm just trying to prevent damage. You'll convince yourself that the church can't make it without you, so you better just cover up your sin and hide what's been going on in your life. Your flesh will lie to you just like it lied to David. It will tell you it's for the greater good to sacrifice Uriah so that the kingdom isn't fractured. When you're a different person, hear me, greater faith, it's probably the most pastoral thing I've ever said behind this pulpit, so you need to take note. When you're a different person outside this building than you are in this building, you better watch out. Because your flesh will send you to the front line of a battle that you were never meant to fight. Your flesh will send you like Uriah to fight in a location that he was never meant to be. It will send you to fight in a place where you are not qualified to fight. Fully knowing it's destroying you. one of the enemy's most effective weapons is getting people on the front line of battles they were never called to fight in you have to discern the voice of authority in your life is my flesh calling the shots or am i being led of his spirit well how do i know i'm going to give you some red flags Some points of reference. When you are convinced that you walk in the Spirit, that you're a Spirit-led person, but you don't spend any substantial time in the Word of God, that's a red flag. You better hear this. You can't have discernment Without hiding the word of God in your heart. The enemy will, yeah, boy, it's quiet. That's all right. I'm going to keep on going because it's, it's, it's tight, but it's right, Brother Jerry. Even you're quiet. Help me out, bro. The enemy will try to convince you that spiritual discernment, don't miss this, and spiritual sensitivity are the same thing. You can be spiritually sensitive but not have discernment. Discernment is when sensitivity is alerted by truth. You ever been ready to do something or say something and something happens inside of you it's like, hey, that's not right. Don't say that. Don't have that attitude. Don't go there. Don't speak that. Don't do that. What is that? That's a truth speaking up in your spirit. Discernment is when sensitivity, spiritual sensitivity is alerted by truth, recognizes the truth, and chooses to walk in that truth. I cannot have discernment if I don't know truth. I can be spiritually sensitive, but you can read the I don't have time to preach this, but you can be spiritually sensitive and led astray. You can be spiritually sensitive and be brought into all kinds of lies and delusion. Why? Because if you're spiritually sensitive but you don't know the word of God, the enemy will draw you into a place that feels familiar, that feels supernatural, that feels like God is doing something. But you better watch out because delusion and revelation feel exactly the same. And if you don't know the word of God, if you have not hidden this truth in your heart, the enemy will pull you to a place where you do not belong. Mm. What are you trying to say, Pastor? When you're fighting on the front line, You better know who sent you. Uriah, a faithful man, a man of integrity, a man that loved his country, had no discernment. And so he was manipulated by a wicked, sinful, adultering king because he could not recognize that the one that was sending him was out to destroy him. Go with me to Judges chapter 6. Begin reading at verse 12. And the angel... Of, I'm going to read Judges 6, verse 12, and verses 14 through 16. Judges 6 and 12 and 14 through 16. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. Hallelujah. And the Lord looked upon him and said... Go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? And he said unto him, O my Lord... Wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh. I don't have the heritage. I don't have the background. And and I am the least in my father's house. I'm not even up there on the pecking order. I, I don't even have any social stature in my own family. Why are you picking me? And the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. Look at Gideon. He was found doing what he was supposed to do where he was supposed to be doing it. He recognized his need for God and he was obedient to the voice of God. A corrupt king sent Uriah. But an angel sent Gideon, and only one of them left with victory. Friend of mine, you right now, this church, your family, he condored up. Man, I feel the authority of the Holy Ghost in this room right now. Listen, friend, you are in the fight for your life. So you need to know today that it was not the adversary that put you in an uncomfortable place. I have come to confirm the word of the Lord. Because some of you are like, man, we are taking steps of faith. I've been praying. I've been fasting. But I'm still struggling. Yes, you are. You know why? Because you're on the front line. But you are going to have victory, greater faith. Because it was the Lord that sent you. It was the Lord that commissioned you to step into this battle for your marriage, for your family, for your kids, and for this reason. Hallelujah. Being able to recognize where your marching orders are coming from will keep you fighting in the right battle. Uh, woo. Don't let the enemy get you fighting battles you weren't called to fight. Uh, I'm going to hasten. God didn't call you to fight with your flesh. Uh, he told you to crucify it. Uh, Ha! <sighs> The enemy wants you to wrestle with your flesh every day because it'll wear you out. But God said, I put repentance first in the plan of salvation so you would make a decision right at the beginning of this journey that only the word of God and the voice of God has jurisdiction in my life. I will not listen to this flesh. Paul said, I die daily. Don't wear yourself out fighting against your flesh every day. You've got to make a choice uh, to put your flesh on an altar. God didn't call you to fight with your family. He called you to fight for your family. He called you to love them and lead them. Don't make the mistake of thinking you're fighting for your family when you're fighting with your family. Uh, We got too many home fronts that have become front lines instead of sanctuaries. If there are people in your home that are just determined to be carnal and not live for God, you need to hear this preacher right now. At some point, you've just got to love them and let them. You don't affirm it. You don't come into agreement with it. You just love And keep leading by example with love. You love them and leave them in God's hands. Love them, lead them, and leave them in God's hands. Because he will do a much better job than you can. Don't fight with them. Love them, lead them, and leave them in God's hands. I didn't call you to fight for your finances. I know I'm going long. You all are just going to have to bear with me. But this ain't fluff. I'm serving up some meat today. So I hope you're taking it all in. Pastor Razor said something I've never heard anyone say before, and it's perhaps the most revelatory thing I have ever heard said about money was said right here last Sunday night behind this pulpit. He said, God did not call you to live in prosperity And God did not call you to live in poverty. He called you to live in provision. (sighs) Ah, What does that mean? It means you learn to trust and live in the boundaries of what he is providing. Oh my God that's way better Than your response You don't have to respond for me But I'm telling you that Right there that revelation Will give you more peace Than you could ever cultivate Or conjure up on your own When you realize that he is your provider And if I got a little bit today Then that's okay Because he wants me to live with a little bit today And if I got plenty tomorrow Then that's okay Because he wants me to live with plenty tomorrow He is the God of my Provision. I'm not gonna struggle to attain riches, and I'm not gonna fake humble myself down to poverty. I'm going to live in the provision that God has ordained for my life. Paul said in Philippians 4:11 through 13: Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound everywhere and in all things. I'm instructed both to be full and to be hungry but to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. God gave me a revelation. This scripture I've never seen. We all Quote that last sentence Every one of us I can do all things through Christ Which strengtheneth me But I would guarantee That you spend more than 50% of your time Your thinking and your energy On your money Paul said If you can get a revelation About provision You will be able to fight unencumbered By worry By fear And by stress He said I can do all things through Christ Which strengtheneth Strengtheneth me, Uh, learning to live in the contentment of provision uh, will empower you uh, to win kingdom victories in your life. Uh, uh, We talked about the battlefields you're called to. The strongholds the enemy would try to use against you in the landscape of the fight. We talked about the battlefields that God has already given you authority over. Now I want to talk to you about the front line in closing. I want to talk to you about the front line that God has called us to. Would you stand with me? Brother David, would you come? Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, and also Matthew 13 and 44, in that order. Matthew 28, 19 and 20, and Matthew 13 and 44. This is Jesus speaking. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Jesus said, this is what I want you to go and fight for. This is what I want you to go and do. And if you will go and do and go and fight for what I am sending you to do, you don't have to worry because I'll be with you in the fight that I call you to. I'll be with you on the front line that I'm sending you to. He said it again like this in Matthew 13 and 44. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto treasure hid in the field. The which when a man hath found he hideth And for joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath and buyeth the field. Greater faith, apostolic church. Our front line is our field. That is what we are fighting for today. Thanks for joining with us today. Be sure to check us out online at greaterfaith.church or find us on Facebook by searching My Greater Faith. There you can watch this sermon and others, as well as live stream all available services. If you like what you heard today, be sure to follow our podcast for new sermons and Bible studies as they become available. Greater Faith. Everyone's welcome. Nobody's perfect. And anything's possible.